Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Daily Playbook. I'm your host, Carl Vogley, joined by my co-host, Mitch Lang. And today... Howdy, people! <laughs> and today is Tuesday, May 7th. So for today's show, we're going to talk Kentucky Derby, the Chicago Bears, NBA playoffs, and Brad Marchand. But before we get to that, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Is it time for you to update the appliances in your house? Then head on over to PJ's Appliance Outlet. They're located in Plymouth, Minnesota, and you can find them online at pjsapplianceoutlet.com. They have 40 to 70% off everyday prices all the time. All the time. It's not just a one-time deal. It's an all-the-time deal. They're selling new scratch-and-dent floor models consisting of refrigerators, stoves, washers, dryers, and dishwashers. So visit their website, pjsapplianceoutlet.com, and stop on in and visit with PJ and Jake, and they will help you find the perfect deal for you. Because if it's not a steal, it's not a deal. And trust me, the deals they have there are steals. If you don't think it's a good enough deal, though, mention that I sent you, mention that you heard about it on the Daily Playbook, and you will get an even better deal. So to kick off today's episode, we are going to talk about the Kentucky Derby. Ugh. Yes. Ugh. We had a disqualification of maximum security, which is just a great name for a horse who gets kicked out or who gets disqualified. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What do you think? Do you think he should have been disqualified? Ah, uh, okay. This is what I have to say about it. I mean... Get ready, people. Okay, like, I honestly... Technically, yes. Okay? Technically, <laughs> yes. Now, the only reason why I'm really upset about it... I, I just thought it was BS. Um, you know, it's not like... Obviously, we all saw the, the video replay. Um... You know, it's it's just one of them things. Like, yeah, for it's for a split second, it happened, but at the same time, I just think this video replay stuff. I mean, and and, it, and it's obviously in every sport, and this is kind of the road that we're heading towards. But in 145 years, like having a disqualification for a fall during the race has never happened, and and honestly, it, it kind of made it awkward. Like I've never seen something so awkward happened at the Kentucky Derby. Like for 20 minutes, they were deliberating over this. And all NBC could really do was fill time with these awkward interviews with the jockeys, which, <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. with They were actually kind of funny because um, the guy who actually won, when he did his first interview, he had all this stuff on his face, which is obviously a testament to how crappy the track was in the first place. Um, but it it's almost like it took him 20 minutes to stumble upon an, a replay angle, which showed, you know, maximum security kind of veering slightly, you know, he veered out a little bit. He squeezed the will. It caused the long range Teddy to take back. And, you know, yeah, like I said, when you go back to video replay, you slow it down to nanoseconds. I mean, you can find falls in every sport. I mean, it goes back to football. I mean, if you want to put a stoppage of play, on football, you could find a penalty on every play if you wanted to, you know, but at the same time, I just really disagreed with how it was done because 
first off, this is like the only sport where after the race is over, any one of the jockeys that lost can just throw this Hail Mary objection. And that's all it was. Um, neither of the jockeys who rode the affected horses were the ones to object the outcome of the race. Flavian Pratt, the jockey of Country Horse, who finished second, by the way, was the one who threw up that Hail Mary objection and argued that the horse's maximum security had, had made contact with, had cut him off and prevented him from a clean path to the finish line. But later on, the same guy admitted to NBC that he wasn't even guaranteed to win had the bump not happened, but at least he would have had a better chance at winning. Like, to me, that's BS. And the fact of the matter is, is Sayez was was able to quickly straighten out his horse. He kept the lead that, that maximum security had held the entire race. And not to mention, this was, this was noted by NBC. Maximum security ran a faster fifth leg of the race than he did his fourth leg, and that just doesn't happen. It just goes to show you how much better this horse was than he the rest of the He was locking it down like security should. He, he did. I mean, should have got a slag. That's all I have to say. And the horses that he cut off, look at War of Will faded to eighth. Long Rage Toddy finished second to last place. And if there's anyone who betted from, benefited from this, it was the guy who called the objection. Country Horse was able to take advantage of the, the two horses that were actually affected. Those two horses slowed down. Country Horse took advantage, snuck, snuck into second place. And at the same time, like, the guy probably would have finished fourth or fifth had it not happened. And yet, he was the one to call for an objection. And I think that's what really made me mad over everything is just the fact that this guy actually benefited from it but was so greedy to the point where he was just like you know what let me just throw up another Hail Mary and see if this can stick and obviously with how good video replay is nowadays um and how you can slow things down and we can get an exact image like i said i i, I compared it to football like you could find a penalty on every play the track was in terrible condition. He veered for a nanosection for a nanosecond. Obviously, when you slow it down an instant replay, it's always going to look worse than what it really is. But are you telling me that he wouldn't have run, won the race anyways? Like he was so much better than the rest of the field. He was the strongest horse out there. He was the fastest horse out there. And honestly speaking, the guy who came in second place, the guy who objected, that's the that's the thing that made me mad the worst is he wouldn't even have been there had it not happened and he just got greedy and i think obviously it happened you, you kind of have to agree with it when you go down and you slow it down it is what it is but i'm just kind of mad at how the whole thing played out and to be disqualified which has never happened in 145 years i mean it's just one of those things that we're gonna have to live with all the way until next year when once again, we care about horse racing for two minutes. And that's just kind of what I have to say about it. So Country House wins. I think it was the right call. I don't know why they even have video review for that stuff, though. Like, I'm sure bumping into other horses happens all the time. And the one thing that I don't like about video replay is when you slow it down, it's so much different than what actually happened. Like, you make a whole different play happen sometimes. In the NBA, so 
if you slow it down and you can see it roll off the guy's fingertips, yes, that's a benefit. But in a situation like this, as you said, he veered for a little bit. And when you slow it down, it seems like it's that much longer. Exactly. And then you go, okay, maybe he shouldn't. The two horses I really feel bad for, though, are Grey Magician and Spinoff because they finished lower than a horse that was disqualified. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's horse racing for you. Yeah, so speaking of horses, the Chicago Bears released a horse, Cody Parkey, last year because he had the double doink in Chicago, and they brought in eight kickers, and they had a little kicking tryout and had them all kick from 43 yards out. And only two of them made it. That's absurd. 43 I mean, yards out. 43 yards out. Can 43. I say it one more time? 43 yards out. What is happening? So here's here's some more fun news with the Bears. So they cut down their roster to Elliot Fry and Chris Blewett. Please have Chris Blewett win the, win the position because... Easy, easy headline every time. And even if he makes the kick, you say Chris blew it. Not. Can like, you blow it? <laughs> and then they just traded for Eddie Pinheiro from the, from the Raiders, who is just another random kicker. And the Raiders are good because they got Daniel Carlson because the Vikings were like, oh, no, he missed a few kicks. He's gone. He went on to have a great season. And they sent a seventh-round pick for a kicker who was 3-for-3 yeah. three three in his lone preseason game and connected on two field goals of 40-plus yards. Watch out. He probably just hit, like, one from 41 and one from 42, so when that 43 comes around, watch out. Yeah. I mean, the, it's kind of sad. Like you said, what is happening? Through the 28 years I've been watching the NFL, I mean – it almost got to the point with me where I almost just assumed that field goals were already made. I mean, obviously, you know, you have the 50, 60 yard field goals, which are, I mean, the equivalent to a Hail Mary for a kicker. And and those ones are always going to be hard to make. And it's not like a 43 yard field goal um, isn't a long ways out. I mean, to you and me, 43 yards, I mean, that's far, but yeah, 10 yards is far for a professional, for somebody who is literally paid, I mean, even if it's not millions of dollars, which let's just be honest, that's what they're making over over their contracts. Like, say you and me were paid to practice one thing for 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Like, I'm sorry, but you better believe I'd 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 be good at it, you know? I and, wish, I wish I had that much time to dedicate to kicking because I would gladly become a kicker and get in my own head and miss field goals. I mean like I said, it's when that is your only job. And let's just be honest in football, the kicker, yes, they kick the ball off, but with the NFL rules nowadays on kickoffs and how they're, they're, they're making it closer and closer. And they're almost trying to take it away from us. They have one job that they practice 40, 50 hours a week. And I'm sorry, but that 43 field, a 43 yard field goal just has to be made. And at this point I would just start looking for, for soccer players pretty much from anywhere because soccer players, uh, rugby players, kickball players. I mean, it can't be that hard if you're paid millions of dollars to do one thing. 
and I just am kind of blown away by the whole situation. And I still can't believe out of eight kickers, only two of them made it. And one of the guys who made it, his last name is Blewett. And I just think it will be so poetic if he gets the job. They get back to the to, to the playoffs next year. And the same thing happens. Like, I am just waiting for that to happen. And I and, and if it does happen, like, oh, my God. Like, it will be the greatest day ever. Yeah, he, he didn't blow it this time. He didn't. But we still got a lot of chances. We do. The other, you mentioned rugby and and European and soccer players. The other guy I'm rooting for, not Chicago Bears related, but there's a punter named the Scottish Hammer that we talked about like two months ago when the show first started. Definitely rooting for him. I think he signed with the Miami Dolphins. No, he yes, did? I believe so. As like a um, undrafted free agent, so... I am ready to watch some footballs explode. What? What's the ruling on that? What happens if a football ex- explodes when someone's punting? Like, do we have a rule for that? This guy is a game train changer. Ooh. He is a transcendent player. I never even thought about that. He's a transcendent player. I hope he blows one up. I want to see it. Whether it's preseason or regular season, I want to see it. I'm getting, I'm getting NFL Sunday ticket for the preseason to watch the Scottish Hammer. Oh my God. Like, they are going to have to design a rule around this guy when it happens. And I cannot wait for the NFL to publish a statement um, and publish this rule. Because, like I said, it's going to happen. Um, especially down in, down if, if he's playing with the Dolphins, remember, like, you know, it's it's a lot different than playing in New England or, or where it's somewhere cold. Like, this ball is... <laughs> I'm sorry, but this ball is just, it's, it's going to be just crushed into oblivion. And and like I said, there's going to be a stoppage of play. The refs are going to get together. They're not going to know what to do. Um, and I just think it's going to just create the biggest mess we've ever seen. And it's funny because we don't even think of punting really like at all. But this is going to be like, this is going to be a hot topic when it happens. And it's definitely going to happen. Um, if he does get to see the field and it's, and it's just only a matter of time. I really hope so. If you haven't listened to that previous episode, he was practicing with Wilson footballs and blew up four of them. So Wilson sent him new ones, but what do they do in baseball? If a batter tears the cover off the ball, don't they just throw it in because it's still basically a ball. It just has this little flap behind it. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Pick up one of the 20 pieces and, and try to return it? <laughs> you have to pick up all, all five of the pieces that were seamed together and hang on. Yeah, exactly. Or four. <laughs> oh, my God. So moving I on mean, to a different ball sport. There's going to be 10 different players holding one piece of the ball. Yeah, like, who, who has the real one? Exactly. Hidden ball the tricks. The one with the laces on it, two. apparently. <laughs> but moving on to the NBA playoffs. We had a four-overtime game this weekend where I called you and kept waking you up for every overtime. Started with the second overtime, then the third, then the fourth. So glad I could could help you enjoy that with me. Yeah, I'll be honest. You called me at the second overtime. I was like, hmm, it'll it'll probably be over here. You called me during the third overtime. I woke up a little bit. I was like, I don't know if it's worth it to turn on. But by the time you said it was the fourth overtime, I had to get up and watch it, and I mean, it was a hell of a game. I uh, 
I honestly wish I kind of would have saw the whole thing because I didn't really have any of the buildup towards it. But man, that fourth quarter was exciting. And and you have to kind of think about this too. Like, you know how many things have to go right for a game to get to one overtime? For a team, for two teams who score hundreds of points in a game to end up with the same score after after regulation and then one other overtime and then another overtime and, and then another, another overtime. So many DJ things DJ Khaled, to fall another place. one. Another one. Yeah, it's it's just crazy that you know Cosmos aligned. Um, it's the first time we see we've seen that since 1953. Um, well, it's the second time ever. Obviously, the first time was happened in 1953, and I'll be honest, it, it might be another 50 years before we see it again. Very true. Very true. And I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's so much parody there, and it's so much fun to watch these teams go at it. And the NBA playoffs in the first round is straight trash. Straight trash. But this second round? Straight trash, homie. The second round is gold. You have Houston and Golden State tied at two games apiece. You have Philadelphia and Toronto tied at two games apiece. You have Denver and Portland tied at two games apiece. And then you have the Bucks beating the Celtics three games to one. That's understandable with Giannis. But now is like gold. Like... Teams got a battle and they have to win one on a, on the road, and that's when a series really starts. For sure. Who do you see going forward though in these playoffs? I mean, I made my predictions. I said Golden State, said Milwaukee, said Philadelphia, and I picked Portland. Cause Charles Barkley said they're gonna win it all this year. You know what? I um I think Golden State, um, I think they're going to lose in the next round um, if they do get past the Rockets, which I do think they will. Um, it's not that I don't think the Rockets are a good team. I um, I actually went to school with James Harden. Um, big fan of him. but Humble brag. <laughs> yeah, humble brag. But at the same time, I think that Golden State, um, they just have too many weapons. They have Steph Curry. Um, they have, they have Kevin Durant, who's the most unguardable player on the planet, I think right now. Um, and at least in the, in the playoffs. Um, and I think they're going to get to the next round, but I, I see Portland beating the Nuggets as much as I like Jokic and how great he's playing, uh, back to back triple doubles played six, 65 minutes in that, in that four overtime game, which yeah, he lost like back, 10 pounds that game. I'm sorry. I said he lost 10 pounds that game. I believe it. It's unbelievable. Like he, not only that, he played 65 minutes and 41 hours later, somehow had enough in the tank to post another triple double, with, you know, playing 25 less minutes than what he played in that four overtime game. Like the guy is, he's really turned it on. I think Jamal Murray's really turned it on. But at the end of the day, I think. Um, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are they're dialed in. And I really think that if they do end up beating Denver, like I predict, I think Golden State's going to have their hands full because, you know, Portland is hungry. And Golden State, I'm not saying they're not they're not a great team, but who knows what happens after this season with them. You got Draymond yelling at everybody on the bench. I think Kevin Durant's sick of it. Um, I think that... Um, 
Clay Thompson's kind of looking forward. He's already said that if uh, the Warriors don't give him a max contract, he's probably either going to be going to one of the L.A. teams. And I I don't think their head is exactly in the right place. Um, and I think they get by just based off pure talent. But I think Portland's hungry. And if they get past um, Denver like I think they will, um, I think they'll end up beating Golden State in the next in the next round. I think we'll see them in the NBA Finals along with Milwaukee. And... I think it's going to be a great NBA Finals, and I think it's it's kind of nice to have new blood in it. You know, so I'm kind of sick of seeing the Cavs in it every year. I mean, as much of uh, as much of a fan of LeBron as I am, I'm, I was actually kind of happy that he wasn't in the playoffs this year because um, it just kind of gets boring. Um, and obviously, that's kind of all they all um, it's all the media talks about when LeBron's in the playoffs. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're losing every game. It doesn't matter how he's doing. He just kind of takes over. But it's just nice to see some new some new blood in the playoffs um it's nice to see some teams that let's just be honest where was milwaukee four years ago where was portland i mean even though they had damian lillard and mccullum they're getting ousted in the first round exactly i mean they were considered a disappointment the last two three years so it's it's nice to see them finally turn it on i predict the, the the trailblazers and the bucks um in the nba finals and I mean, I have to agree with Barkley. I think if it gets there, I think um, CJ McCollum and and Damian Lillard are. I think it's a bad matchup for Milwaukee, as good as the Greek Freak is. Now I know you're a knucklehead too. Yeah, well, I'll be one. <laughs> yeah, but Jokic, amazing that he had that much left in the tank. Even if I had an entire season off and they put me in for one game. I'd be that guy who's in there for 30 seconds. I'm doing an NHL shift, and I'm like, Coach, I'm dogged. And all I did was run out there and stand at the three-point line while a guy shot a free throw. Put me back on the bench. This is where I live. Yeah, I mean, shout out to him. He's, like I said, two triple-doubles in a row. He, from last year, I mean, even from this year, he's basically cut his turnovers in half. Um, he's he's really showing out, and I think um, – in the eyes of the NBA, I think he's really kind of, I mean, he's getting some steam behind him now. Um, and I think he's going to be getting paid a lot of money um, as long as he keeps this going within the next couple of years. Right, right. So now we're going to move on to our next topic, Brad Marchant and his comments following Boston's win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> They're going to move on to face the Carolina Hurricanes and we'll have a battle of former Wild players as Charlie Coyle and the Boston Bruins take on Nino Niederreiter and the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that's everybody's storyline. But Brad Marchant in the post-game interview was just not having it. He asked him <laughs> like these really long questions hoping for a long answer like, how big was Tuca? Huge. Yeah. Was this win a great win for you guys moving forward? Yep. Your line's back together and you guys played well. How did that happen? We're good. And he just skated away. And at first I was like, okay, he's just being a dick. But really, it was because of a previous comment made. It was a previous comment made by that reporter asking him if he got his skates sharpened because he tried to use his skate to break someone's stick. I mean, he's got bad blood with him now. It's like Russell with that reporter where he just says, next question. <laughs> but here's where it goes even deeper. 
He was at his locker room. And here's the post-game transcript. A minute and 45 seconds. Here are the questions he was asked and his answers. Describe how Tuca's played. Great. Care to elaborate? Nope. Being here without Tuca? No. Energy off of Tuca? A lot. If Tuca looked dented? Obviously not. Short answers? Next. Feels to advance? Good. Where'd you get your outfit? China. Difference being down in the series to the last three. We won. How much Tuca playing well helps? A ton. Bet on how few words? Maybe. That's the question that sticks out. Did he have a bet with his teammates about how few words he'd say? Separates how they played on the road? I don't know. Anything interesting in handshakes? No. One of the more solid wins? Not really. It's a good one. On Carolina? They're good. Happy to rest? Yes. Happy to not hear cannon? Yes. Feeling crispy? Oh, yeah. Why? Just cuz. Well, let's just be honest. If he did, if he did make a bet with his team on how few words he could use, you know, after the game, I don't think um, anyone took the over under on ten words. And so there's a pretty good chance that he won that bet if it was actually made. <laughs> and let's just be honest. I uh, I was amused by the whole thing. I uh, obviously I kind of get bored with these interviews. You know, all these. I mean, all these athletes kind of say the same thing. I mean, I know these reporters are just doing their job, but you, you just kind of get bored with it. So when something like this happens, um, I always think it's kind of funny. It's the same thing, like you said, with Russell Westbrook. Like, Russell Westbrook is one of the only people who I will actually tune in and watch his post-game interview. And it's because he does stuff like this. And so I think it's good. Um, I obviously think it's funny. And I think it's just, you know, it's just one of them things that it, it just kind of adds a little sauce to something that, to be honest, it's kind of boring in the first place. So it was funny to see. Um, I don't think it's going to happen again. I think he'll be a obvious. I, I think he'll be a little bit more willing to talk. Maybe he did have a bet. Maybe he didn't. I think it was more due to you know that reporter joking, joking around with him about the game two incident, and he was just kind of trying to prove a point. And then by the time he got back into the locker room, he realized it was kind of a thing, and he just kind of went with it. Yeah, I mean, for me. I love when players do this as long as it's like one or two times. Like Marshawn Lynch when he was doing the no comment. I'm just here when, so I won't get fined. Yeah, <laughs> those. Just loved it. It was hilarious. And it's only certain players who can do it. Brad Marchant is one of those in hockey who can do it. Marshawn Lynch was obviously one. Russell Westbrook's a guy who can do it. But there's other players who can't. Like if Joe Maurer went into a press conference and he answered everything, great. Nope. A lot. Good. Next question. People would be like, what is wrong with you, Joe? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, it, it, it like you said, it has to do with the personality. Um, those three guys you mentioned, um, they obviously have a lot of personality. And they might even lick you. But you but you're you're exactly right. Like, I think this is a I don't know if this is one time thing or it's going to be, a, you know, a two time thing. But it that will get old too, just like all these other questions kind of get old. But in the moment, because of you know how different it was from every from every other interview we've seen this postseason, I couldn't help but laugh at it. It was it was great to me. And like I said, if it, if it happens next game, obviously it'll probably get old fast. But tonight, it definitely was entertaining. So for the Eastern Conference, we're all set for the finals there: Boston against Carolina. 
In the Western Conference, Colorado forced a Game 7 thanks to Gabriel Landeskog, and I love the Avs, except for Landeskog. I don't know what it is about him. So they have a Game 7, I believe, in two nights. Well, actually, it'll be tomorrow because this is out today, if that makes sense. And so they'll have a Game 7 then against San Jose in San Jose, and then tonight we have a Game 7 between Dallas and St. Louis. Which, honestly, flip a coin. That's who's going to win in that one. I'm picking St. Louis. I think they'll win, too, but I don't know. Dallas just seems to have a few extra juices every once in a while. Yeah, they do. But, and, you know, it's it's not like history's with me by picking the Blues, but I, I, I feel like this year, um, I think the Blues have it. And, I I mean, I don't, I'm not picking them to win the Stanley Cup, but I am picking them to win this series. I picked them in this series, too. I picked Colorado in seven, so they kept my hopes alive there. I picked Boston in six, and I picked Carolina in seven. So I have the Eastern Conference Ooh. right. I was a little bit off on the number of games. But St. Louis, Colorado, please make uh, the rest of my predictions happen. But that will be it for today's episode of The Daily Playbook. Thank you once again for listening. I'm your host, Carl Vogley, joined by my co-host, Mitch Lang. Peace out, party people. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.